listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. The ushers are coming forward with some Bibles and would love for you to just receive one of those Bibles. If you don't have one, would love for you to have a copy of God's Word with you. It is from the ESV. That's what we use um, here on Sunday mornings and, and just encourage you to take one of those Bibles. Just raise your hand if you'd like one. And we're turning to Mark chapter 16. Mark 16, that's on page 554 if you're using one of these um, Bibles here that uh, you can receive here. And if you don't have a Bible at home, don't know where it is, haven't read it for a while, um, and not sure exactly where it is, feel free to take one of these home as our gift to you. And, uh, and so as we gather together, we gather together to celebrate some great news. That's what this morning has been all about, celebrating some great news. In fact, it is the best news ever, the story of Easter and what God did on that day in raising his son from the dead. Yet, for the disciples on that early Sunday morning, for the followers of Jesus, it wasn't a great day. There was no good news. I mean, there wasn't even a silver lining in the clouds for them on this day because for them, all their hope was gone. All their dreams were, were taken away and they were left confused. The one that they had rearranged their lives for, that they had put their hopes on, was dead and now they were unsure, unsure of what to do. I mean, he was dead. His body was decomposing in the tomb that had a large stone that had been sealed. And there was even Roman guards that were, outstanding, were, were standing there guarding over it. And the disciples, where were they on this Sunday? They were locked away in a room, fearful, wondering, are we next? If we dare go outside of this room, will we meet the same fate? What will happen to us? But early on that Sunday morning, some of the ladies wanted to go to the tomb. These ladies had been following Jesus. They had witnessed all the events that had been taking place in the days leading up to this. And, and there on that terrible, which we now call Good Friday, but very Black Friday for our Jesus. And they were there and they wanted to go and they wanted to give him a proper burial. And so in Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 1, we read this. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Mag Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And so here we have Mary Magdalene. She's the one that had seven demons cast out of her. Jesus changed her life and gave her freedom and, and freedom from these demons. And she had been following him from early on in his ministry. She, along with the other women, were there and they had watched all of the events that had taken place. And so here they were heading on this early Sunday morning. They saw the way that Jesus was taken from the cross rather quickly. He wasn't given the proper burial. They saw what Joseph of Arimathea, what Nicodemus had done. And they just, it wasn't good enough. And so they thought we've got to go and we've got to properly take care of the body of Jesus. And so there on that Sunday morning, they were heading to the tomb. Oh, they had loved Jesus. They had adored him. I told you already, they had rearranged their lives for him. He was more than a, just a good friend. They had served him. They worshipped him. They believed in him. They were trusting their future on him. And that future with him in charge was looking really, really good. And now all hope is gone. And it's all dashed. It's all gone. Have you ever experienced 
hope like that, hope that was there, and then hope that vanished. And maybe that hope vanished in a moment with getting some news, or maybe it happened over a period of time. You've had certain hopes or dreams or plans, and then suddenly, in an unplanned way, life just turned upside down. And those plans had to be changed. Those plans were dashed. Those dreams were taken right off of the planning guide. They were gone, gone, gone. And maybe it happened quickly. Maybe it happened by a phone call. Maybe it was in a doctor's office. Maybe it was with the RCMP showing up at your home and saying there's been an accident. Maybe it was a spouse that said it's over. Maybe the untimely death of a loved one. Maybe you were taken into the boss's office and he sat you down very seriously, seriously and said, we're going to be making some changes. Whatever it is, there is hope. I think of this poor family, this dear family in Manitoba, if you've been following the news that I believe it was on Tuesday, their little two-year-old toddler wandered away and they didn't know where he went and they searched and searched and searched and, and just saw just the agony in these parents in the news conference thinking maybe somebody abducted this little one. They didn't know what happened, but sadly and tragically, they found him yesterday. They found his body. Creek, about 500 meters apparently from their home. He had wandered away. Their hopes were dashed with the news that he passed away. Oh, dear people, you need to listen to me this morning. I don't, it doesn't matter where you are at today, what is going on in your life, what has gone on, or even an uncertain future. You need to know because of Easter, because of what happened on this day that we are celebrating, there is hope. There is hope in any circumstances that you've experienced, you're walking through right now, or will ever experience, because hope has a name, and that hope is Jesus, and he's alive today. Amen? Amen. And so there is hope for the troubled soul. There is hope for the wounded heart. There is hope for the devastated in spirit because of Jesus. As we keep reading in this passage in verse 3, it says, And they were there saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance from the tomb? So they're coming down here early on this Sunday morning. They, they've heard that there is a huge stone. It's been sealed. There's guards there. And they're wondering, who's going to roll it away for us? They, they, they had no idea what was going on. And I mean, it just wasn't a little stone. We see in Scripture that it was a very large stone. And they're wondering, how are we going to get in there? But we see the determination. We see the determination. I love what we see here with these women here. And even through their agonies and their questions and their loss and their fears and their doubts, they still continued on. They're going, I mean, taking these spices. They went and purchased them, and, and burial sp spices were not cheap. And so they went and, and, and bought these spices, and they were going to prepare the body of Jesus. This for them was a walk of faith. Even though they had no clue how they were going to get in there, if they would be allowed there, they were just heading there. They believed that God would make a way. And you say, oh, I wish I had bold faith like that. You know what? Their faith wasn't actually all that bold. It wasn't that strong because they were not believing in a resurrection, were they? Their faith wasn't taking them to that extreme. They were just believing that somehow that walk of faith was just leading them along the way that at least somehow, some way, they would get into the tomb and they would be able to take care of the body of Jesus but they took this walk of faith. And folks, listen to this today. You've got to hear this is so important that God can make a way with the obstacles that you are facing in your life today. But it starts with a walk of faith. 
It starts with a statement of faith, believing that somehow, some way, God will make a way. Sadly, for many of us, oftentimes we lack faith and we don't even believe that there's no way out of the mess that we're in. But it starts even just with, like these women here early on this Sunday morning, it was a little bit of faith. There was a seed of faith there. And they continued on, believing that God would make a way for them. But it starts with a walk of faith. Look at what ends up happening, verse 4. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he was going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I mean, what an unbelievable moment. They go there, they come around the corner as they're walking along and hoping, hoping we're not going to get caught. Hopefully we're not going to get in trouble for this. They're walking along, they come around the corner, the stone is rolled away. And they find out through an angel messenger that Jesus is alive. Can you imagine? I mean, their hearts must have just been a beating. I don't know about you, but when I get rather excited and I get rather emotional, even my head starts throbbing. I, I often, like even today, a little bit of cheering I was doing, I needed to almost sit down because it was just like, whoa, this is so exciting. This is so good. Even when my team wins and gets a touchdown or, or wins a game or something like that, doesn't happen a lot for the teams I cheer for. But when they do and I'm cheering and I'm celebrating, it's like, whoa, head rush. I got to sit down. Well, these ladies, I mean, if I would have been there, I would have been head rushing, I'm sure. I would have just been almost flat on the floor myself just because of the excitement. Could you imagine? He's alive. He's alive. And they saw the grave closed. They saw that he was em- the tomb was empty. I mean, how amazing. God was not dead. He's alive. And he's alive today. He is risen. Over the last few weeks, as we've been preparing for Easter, I've been looking at this passage, and there is one word here that I absolutely love in verse 7. Have your pens ready. Circle this in your Bibles if you want. I trust it will be meaningful for you. It's not a noun. It's not a verb. It's not an adjective. It's not a pronoun. In fact, I'll give you a hint what word is so powerful in here. It's a three-letter word. It's a conjunction word. Pretty boring word, but here it is powerful. And it is the word and. That word and gives you hope and it gives me hope today. Verse 7, look at this. But go tell his disciples and Peter. This is a word, I believe, for every one of us here today who has messed up, who has failed, who has fallen short, who maybe spoke big and acted little, who has lost all hope. Jesus specifically points out Peter because Peter was one of those guys. He was one of those guys says, I will never do this. And he did. Peter was a guy who talked much, act quickly, failed royally. That's so much. I don't know about you, but that's so much my story. But Jesus on this day extended special words, or this angel gave special words from the Lord. This message is for Peter. This is for the mess up. This is for the failure. I hope you can see yourself perhaps 
in some ways as a Peter as I do. This is the message of Easter, that we can be forgiven, we can be set free, and we can experience the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives today, just as Peter would do so shortly. He is risen, and because Jesus Christ is risen, we have hope. There is hope. You can write down these three points. Because he is risen, there is hope for a past filled with failure. Do you have a past filled with failures and shortcomings and all kinds of mess-ups? Peter did. So did the disciples. Where, were, where was Peter and the disciples this day? Locked in a room. The mood in that room would have been ugly. It wouldn't have been very positive. It would have been these guys just moping around in regret, in sadness, in failure. Just such losers, such losers. I can't believe we did that. Can't we believe we deserted him? How they had been with Jesus and, 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 and that when it came down to the crunch time, they bailed on him. That night he was in the garden praying and, 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 and he, he came to us and said, can you pray with me at least one hour? And we kept falling asleep. Oh, we bailed him so royally. And then, then a little later on when the, when the guards came and, 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 uh, and, and tried to arrest him, instead of standing up for him saying, oh yeah, you're going to take him, you're going to take us too. If you're going to get to him, you've got to go through me. You know, and Peter may have consoled himself a little bit, but you know, well, at least I took a sword and I did something about it. Yeah, Peter, you cut off the guy's ear. Like, good shot, Peter. Like, take it, you know what? You hit him with your best shot. It was just an ear. You know, and, and then Jesus bends down and picks it up. We deserted him. And Peter, especially then, denying him three times before the rooster crowed. Prior to, to his arrest in the garden, the disciples, they, they thought they were with him. They thought that it was all good. But it ended in failure and disappointment. I wonder how many times that we look over our lives and we look over the past and we see failure, regrets, and we live in the if-only world. If only I would have done this. If only I would have said this. If only I wouldn't have done this. Life would be so much different. How oftentimes we say, oh, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And then we go out and we break our own word and more shame comes upon us. We feel miserable and self-conscious and paranoid and discouraged and depressed. And it's like we're locked away in a room. Even though we do venture out of that room, we're locked in a prison. We're locked in a prison to our, our fears, to our regrets and our failures. And oh, how the devil loves to bring up that condemnation and remind us over and over again. And sometimes it's through our own minds and through our own thoughts that he reminds us. And then sometimes he uses some choice people in our lives to remind us and have those people who love to remind us of our shortcomings and our failures. You have to realize that the enemy, that the devil, is the accuser of the brother. Brethren, in Revelations 12.10 we're reminded of that, that he's out to accuse us of sins that have already been committed to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit reminds us of sins that still haven't been covered by the blood of Christ that we need to confess, that we need to repent of. But oh, how the enemy loves to dig up the old junk. The old junk when Christ has said, you are forgiven. You are no longer in bondage to that. I hold no account against you and we bring it back upon ourselves. Jesus died to forgive our failures, whether we miss, messed up two times, 200 times, or 2,000 times, or even more than that. Jesus died so our sins would be forgiven, so we could be clean. He keeps no records of wrongs. The guilt and condemnation is an insult. It's an insult to everything that he did for us on the cross when we live in our guilt and in our condemnation. And so we humble ourselves in confession and repentance, and we say thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Christ is risen, so there is hope for a past that is filled with failure. But second of all, there is hope 
for a present that is filled with trouble. Just think of the disciples. They had been with Jesus in a lot of the high times and in, in, in the good times when, when things were going pretty amazing. The disciples and, and these women that also were part of the followers of Christ, that he, he had a crew of people that followed him and, and, and they got to witness some amazing things like when he took the loaves and the fish and he just multiplied them and fed thousands of people with it or when he calmed the storm or, or walked on water or cast out demons or healed the sick or raised the dead. I mean, amazing. Those were some good days. Days, but now the present days filled with a lot of trouble, filled with a lot of concern, locked away in a room. Are we next? Today, I wonder could you be in some kind of a trouble? Are you in trouble today? Maybe it's with a broken heart, a confused heart, a broken marriage, or a broken family. Today that you've come in and you said happy Easter and you even shouted and said when I said he is risen and you said he's risen indeed and yet your, your heart is breaking today, you're hurting. Maybe you're grieving today, grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a sleepless, sleepless night after night and joyless days. You're just going through the motions. You fake the smile, you get it out there but there's disappointment in your heart. Maybe it's financial trouble. Maybe you're just just sensing an emptiness today. You've tried everything in life. You've tried everything. You've, you've sought pleasures and possessions and, and relationships and, and you've tried all of these different things and, and, and yet you find them still meaningless. There's still an emptiness. You still haven't found the peace. You haven't found the satisfaction. And, and so oftentimes we'll cope in various ways when, when we feel these kind of ways and, and we'll, we'll struggle into areas. We'll, we'll, we'll spend our way think we can spend our way out of it and end up in, in debt. Or maybe we cope turning to drugs or alcohol or something just to kind of, kind of take away, take the edge off a little bit. Maybe it's through things like Netflix or social media or, or gaming or, or pornography or differently. Just a, just a bit of an escape from, from what is really going on in our lives, just even temporarily. And, and you think, is, is this all that I have? Is this all that life is going to be? What's the point? of even living. And there's a good chance that some of you even thought at times, maybe even this past week, maybe I'm better off dead. What's the point of living anymore? Folks, God has placed you here today to hear this message of hope, that hope has a name, and it's Jesus. But you're locked today in a prison of trouble. You need to know there is hope. I think of years ago when I was pastoring in Alberta and, and just kind of fresh into, into the work there, I, I went into an area of fear and struggle and anxiety. I was in this prison for a number of months and no one knew about it. Oh, I looked fine on the outside. I was still able to kind of get my work done. I was good at faking it. I probably could have won an Academy Award if people would have only known what was going on in my head. Charlotte, my wife, started to sense that things weren't quite right, but she didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. But literally on the inside, I was going crazy. And I even started thinking, how much longer will I even be able to keep going like this? This is hard. This is difficult. How can I keep being a pastor and struggle and struggle and struggle in my mind and struggle like this? I called out to God. But finally, one day I said, enough is enough. As I called out to God, I knew that he was also saying, but you need to call out to some people in your life. You need to let Charlotte know. You need to let a circle of friends know who can stand with you, who can help you, who can pray with you. Brothers and sisters in Christ that would walk with me in and through that struggle and help drive me to the word of God and remind me of the truths that are there for me, that were just waiting for me to uncover and to experience in my own life. 
And because of Jesus, because of his word, because of brothers and sisters walking with me, healing started to happen little by little, little by little. And I can tell you today that, that Jesus Christ heals today. He heals the broken mind. He bro- heals the broken heart. Christ has risen. That is why there is hope. Even though our past might be filled with failures, our present may be filled with trouble, or we have an uncertain future. What does the future really hold? We can make plans, but they can be dashed within moments, just as they were for the women there on that Easter Sunday, just as they were for the disciples. We look at our world, it's so full of uncertainty, the threat of terrorism this past week. We've seen that happen. Economic downturns, political absolute chaos in North America, eroding family and marriage values. That's just the world out there, and we could spend a lot of time talking about what's going on in the world out there. But what about our own future? What about the health concerns that we might have for you or a loved one? Or our finances? Will we make it over the next month or two? Issues with our jobs or our career? Maybe family members' relationships are just hanging on a thread and we just wonder, is there any hope? But everything changed on that Easter Sunday and everything can change for you today too. Because of Easter, Christ's victory over sin, the power of sin over death, over disease in all of this, everything can change for us as well. Because of Easter and because of this, whatever we know, we can know his power and his presence in our lives. Do you know him today? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him as your Lord and as your Savior? You can know the power of Jesus today. Leaving this room, you can change transformed. It might not necessarily mean and probably won't that everything in life is just gonna just flow along beautifully. I don't know anyone who has a life quite like that yet. Well, I do, but they're all in heaven and it's amazing what they are experiencing there right now. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but he also says, but I will be with you. It's not just a Sunday Jesus we talk about and that we worship and we sing about. It's an everyday Jesus, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we can call out to him. Jesus was known, and this is a good thing because it puts me in this bracket and I think it might put you in this bracket as well. He was known as a friend of sinners. And he promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews 13. Whether you're locked in a room of discouragement because of the past, present, or fearful of the future, it can all change just as it did for the disciples. When we take that step of faith, just as those ladies did there that Sunday morning, and they said, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what we're going to encounter, but I believe, believe that somehow at least a stone will be rolled away. And God did more than just roll away a stone for them. He gave them Jesus. And over the next 40 days, Jesus began to appear to his disciples, to his followers. At one point, over 500 people at a given time. Jesus never promised us, though, life without storms, without difficulties, without tragedies. But he did promise, I will bring you safely. I will bring you safely to shore. When we call out to the name of Jesus, he comes. And things may not change overnight, but little by little, he starts changing us. He starts changing the circumstances around us. 
I'm going to ask you right now to bow in prayer. Just bow your heads, and in a moment I'm going to pray, but I'd just like to speak with you, just kind of fewer distractions, not even looking here, just kind of thinking about where you're at today. The story of Easter is a story of hope. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I need to step out of the room, the prison that I'm in, and take a step of faith. Take the step of faith. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and, and you admit, I, I need to get to know Jesus in a personal way. You can receive him today by simply asking him to forgive you of your sins, understanding that without his righteousness that you cannot be in right standing before God, but because of the cross, because of Good Friday, everything can be changed. We can be forgiven from our past of every sin. You may want to receive him, invite him into your life. You can just do that in a simple prayer. Simple prayer, say, Jesus, come in as my Lord and my Savior. I confess my sins to you. That may be the step of faith. That's the first and most important step of faith. But maybe it's a step of faith that you need to take today in entrusting him in an area of obedience. Maybe you've been running from him. You've been avoiding certain part of his word or maybe it's the, the aspect of baptism. Jesus calls each one of his followers to declare our salvation, declare our faith for Jesus publicly in the waters of baptism and you haven't done that and you need to do that. You say, yeah, I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to talk to the pastor afterwards. I'm going to fill out a card afterwards and, and just get this, get this rolling. Maybe it's about joining a church, perhaps this church. You've been a consumer or a free agent, or maybe you've been hurt by the church and by church people. You know what? You're in good company because so is Jesus. And he continued on, and he continued to give himself and to know that, that he can, can bring healing in those situations. And you need to get serious and say, hey, I need to be part of the body of Christ. Perhaps as joining this Passion Cry study that we're starting, would love to see all of you just know that you are welcome to be a part of that. And Because it's not just about a Sunday thing, it's, it's about growing and learning together with the body of Christ throughout the week. I encourage you to be a part of that. Maybe you're living in an area of sin or rebellion towards God and his word, and you need to confess your sin to him and turn from those areas. Maybe you've been walking the fence, one foot in the world, one foot kind of with God, and it's time to declare and take a step of faith today and say, hey, I'm all in. No more of this middle-of-the-road middle lukewarm stuff. I, I want to get hot on fire for God. Would you declare that today in a simple prayer? And if you've made some kind of a declaration as a step of faith, I just ask you, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand before God and before, uh, before me as I just look out and, and just see. I'm making a declaration of faith today. I desire to experience hope and victory today. Just raise your hand briefly for a moment and put it down if there's an area where God has been speaking to you. Yeah. Area of trust, area of obedience, area of, of confession and areas of sin. Maybe it's coming to know him and say, I, I, I want to I take that step of faith and I'm going to believe you for the outcome. Jesus, we declare to you today that we love you. We believe that you rose again and that you and your resurrection power can change our circumstances. You can change our lives and help us to be faithful and obedient in taking the next steps that follow after this. I've outlined some of those here today. 
But Lord, your spirit will also speak to people today about maybe it's an area they need to go and they need to make it right with a, a brother or sister, a family member, someone within the church, someone that maybe they've been hurt by and they just need to go and they need to make things right. Maybe that's the area of obedience. Maybe just an area of, of, of rearranging life's priorities to put you in the place of priority. Some of these steps won't be easy. They will be hard. They will be difficult. will be costly. But in the end, they will be so worth it. And we praise you and we thank you for that. We thank you that, Jesus, you are alive today. And because you are alive, we can face tomorrow. Because you are alive, all fear is gone. May we worship and declare that here this morning, not just through our words, but through the expression of our heart. Let's stand together as we worship.